0: Here on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, we present topics about communication and leadership from our perspective as individuals and as twins. Welcome to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. For many sales professionals, they're often provided with sales scripts and discovery guides. They're taught to look for cues and position their questions to penetrate their prospects and eventually ask for the sale. How often do you hear about these same professionals receiving training, coaching, or even a guide on how to provide appropriate answers? Answers that can build rapport and trust and lead to solid closes. Our special guest today brings an incredible wealth of experience built from research and training on this very topic. Dr. Brian Gluckausi is a university professor. He's the pioneer of answer intelligence, AQ, an approach that takes a scientific and critical examination of answers to business and in life. He is a TED Talk speaker, the CEO of Simplar Science, and he's the author of the book, Answer Intelligence, Raise Your AQ. He believes that there can be a lack of awareness and critical examination and how you respond. Dr. Brian feels that the answer to the questions can often be underappreciated. So in the sales world, it's not just the questions you ask that can move your prospect down the decision-making process or da- down the decision-making chain. It's also the answers that you can provide that will determine the outcome and increase the probability for success. Brian, welcome to the Twins Talking Up Program.:
1: David and Danny, thanks for having me, and uh, thanks for the excellent introduction. Appreciate that.:
0: Brian, uh, this is Danny, and what we're do throughout this podcast is you're here, David or myself speaking but our audience doesn't see us like you can. So sometimes we'll have to say, this is Danny or this is David. Uh, Brian, can you talk about your research and how you developed the answer intelligence, also known as AQ, the AQ model? Uh, And also, is it true that you discovered this while you were playing around a golf?
1: (laughs) Uh, Sort of. Actually, I don't golf, but I was studying golf. So we'll get to that. Um, Yeah, yeah, great question, Danny. So my background is in and out of academia. My area of research is, you know, turned out to be focusing on questions and then answers. You know, with questions, we know a lot about questions. The 6WH questions, why, what, how, when, where, who, open and closed questions. If you search in Amazon for business books, uh, titles with the word question in it outnumber those with the answer three to one. Mm. Uh, sales-based methodologies are question-based, as David pointed out in the introduction. So what does this mean? We live in a world that focuses on questions. So when I was doing my research on questions, it struck me, everything I just went through, that list and litany of focus on questions, and I thought to myself, you know, let's develop a typology, a framework of answers to complement our framework of questions. So that was the, uh, the goal, and I decided to research the top golf instructors in the world is rated by golf digest and golf magazine.
0: Mm. And,
1: uh, real quick, uh, you know, two reasons we targeted that audience. One, uh, they were experts. So the upper half of the 99th percentile, their profession, whenever you study experts, you're going to learn good things. Second, they, The clients they served were wide ranging. They taught everyone from touring pros you see on TV to weekend warriors to a young daughter picking up the sticks for the first time. And from a research standpoint, that was very important because there was no restriction of range. So that meant that meant when the results, the results were more likely to generalize. And for example, in a sales context, there's asymmetries of knowledge, right? The seller may know more than the buyer asymmetries of interest. The seller wants to sell more than the buyer. Um, And this is true in other domains like leadership and interviews. So it was a great sample. And we learned a lot and developed this AQ framework and these six answer types.
0: That's amazing. I, I liked how you picked golf because it's the one sport that my twin brother consistently beats me in. And the one sport where I can go from an emotional high to a very emotional low in a matter of minutes. So I would tell you that there's times where I'm like, oh my gosh, I am amazing at golf. And the next moment, I don't even know why I'm playing this sport. So, uh, doctor, why are answers just as important or more important than the questions that are being asked? Because I think that is a unique and profound thought process right there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I'll start uh, by sort of level setting my approach and then getting into this. I believe questions and answers are both important, but answers have been underestimated, understudied, and you want to shine a spotlight on them. So they're Mm -hmm. both important. It's a marriage of equals, right? Uh, But questions and answers provide different functions. And this is something people have not appreciated fully. There's this false sense like for example, that questions are all we need to focus on. You've probably heard the phrase questions are the answer.
0: That's Mm -hmm. that's not
1: true. That's tautological. So if I had to boil down the research in terms of questions and answers and the point of each questions are for curiosity, answers are for influence. So this is a framework that focuses on answers, but builds upon our understanding of questions and I think this book is, the book I've written is, is for individuals that want greater influence. Think about it. If you're going to win the deal, how do you win the deal? The seller asks a question, either implicit or explicit, that's keeping up, keeping them up at night, and you provide the answer. On a job interview, do you get the job if you ask good questions? I don't think so. You might ingratiate yourself, but they'll say, that was a nice person, we had a nice conversation. You provide answers. You provide a story, right? You provide actions of how you do things. And I should just say this before we get too far. You know, what are the six answers? You're probably going to go there. It's story, metaphor, theory, concept, and procedure and action. Those are the six.
0: Brian, this is David. I appreciate you jumping into that, but I'm definitely going to revisit those six type of answers. You mentioned that answers are for influence. Questions are for curiosity. And for those of us that are in the world of professional selling, or we're in some type of profession that will require us to speak quite often, let's talk about that influence portion. Why is that really important for sales reps, for professionals to understand that and grasp that? A lot of us could think it's easy to go ahead and gravitate to our natural charisma, but why is it important to be able to say, look, let's grasp how we can become more influential by knowing the answers?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you take a step back and think of conversations. There's a sequence of questions and answers. Now I think of the respective roles of the seller and buyer. Um, this is a broad overgeneralization, but the seller is providing solutions. What are solutions? Solutions are answers in our framework more broadly about how to do the things differently in the world around you. And the, the buyer's role is you know, essentially questions. You know, They don't have the solution, so they have implicit and explicit questions to understand the world better, and therefore, that's the setup. In reality, questions are are, uh, are recursive, and you go question uh, uh, conversations are recursive. You know, question answer, answer question, answer answer, and there's a sequence going back and forth. But from an overall role standpoint, you know, what is the role of a seller? It's to provide solutions. It's to provide answers. They're going to change the world. They're going to influence the buyer. That can be used. I like that.
0: I like that, and that's such a great point because I think for. So many of us in the sales world, we, we, we understand the concept of we've got a solution to their problem or we wouldn't be in front of them. But when you grasp the idea of providing or positioning yourself to really present the right type of response that furthers the we call it what? moving the ball down the field, right? Now That's what you're able to do a little bit more efficiently instead of just poking around, not knowing where to go. You're shooting aimlessly because the truth of the matter is we think we know what we were doing and what we want rather. And the reality is the customer is going to guide us, but we've got to lead them by positioning the right type of responses. So I like that. I definitely do. And so Brian, I think that leads to a thought that I had. We We often hear this term trusted advisor and you hear this word, oh, I'm such a trusted sales rep, or I'm such a trusted... We want this concept to be built into these relationships we're building with our prospects, that they're instantly going to trust us. How can understanding this framework and providing the right answers really cultivate and solidify that concept of trust?
1: Yeah, I want to answer that two ways. Uh, So hopefully, remind me about the second way, in case I forget after I go through the, the first way. The first way, when we think of answers... They're for others. They're also for ourselves. So, so often internally as a sales organization, we, we throw around this term trusted advisor. But let's think of it in terms of AQ terms. What is, what is trusted advisor as a concept and then potentially as a metaphor? And once we have that understanding, then we can act accordingly. So, for example, one way I worked at a consulting firm and um, this individual defined trusted advisor as the client does more than two types of business with us. That's interesting, right? You could do one type of business and you have a solution. A trusted advisor is it connotates breadth, right? And more than one type of solution. Now, that's an interesting definition. You may disagree with it, but that's a working definition that can be used internally. Now, for a metaphor, they, this individual said, trusted advisor, we want to be the third card in a Rolodex behind the lawyer and the accountant, right? That's an old school metaphor, but that gives you definition. So if you say internally, what is trusted advisor? You have a definition, you have a metaphor, I'm ready to go as a salesperson. So that's, you know, first is, you know, basic understanding of of these terms like trusted advisor and AQ helps an organization, selling organization understand that. And if I could, the second answer, I would say I'd make it broader. When we provide answers, we are showing trust, right? You know, no one likes presentations you know, executives have questions and if you can stimulate their questions and you provide an answer, you're going to win, right? You're showing them you can fill the gaps in their understanding and that builds trust. And if you become the go-to person to provide answers, you're going to have a client for life, right?
0: Yeah. Brian, this is David. Again, I've got to make a point here because I love where this is going. And it's so true. So many sales reps, are conditioned to go through their presentation. Got to hit every one, every point that they've already established as important or predetermined as important for that pers- prospect. When in reality, if you're asking the right questions, it's not about hitting your points. You're going to establish their points, and that's where trust comes in. I love that. So that's such a great point. Go ahead, Dan. I know you wanted to say something. No, this is Danny. I I would tell you that this is really hitting home to all my clients right here. They there's it's so easy to say, okay, the next thing I need to do is I need to write a script for all my salespeople. And then I'm like, hey, look, you guys are following the script. Why isn't it working? <laughs> well, one, you're sounding like a robot, but two, you're not really um, listening to the answer and then progressing. And that leads me to back to what you mentioned earlier, Earlier, doctor, is that you said that in your research, you had identified six answer types, uh, the theory, story, Metaphor, concept, procedure, and action. I love the action part. But why did you choose these specific six? And how do you, how do they help, like my sales reps and my clients who have sales teams, how do they help to communicate the value proposition? And I know that after you, you answer that portion of the question, the second question I have is um, how how can my sales reps, how can my clients and their sales reps, structure this to help them to be better in doing their job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great, great questions there.
0: We'll be right back after this short break. We want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Live, Love, Thanks. Live, Love, Thanks helps purpose-driven women leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs to permanently eliminate clutter and end stress and overwhelm so they can move forward in their careers, relationships, and health. Visit LiveLoveThanks.com for impactful coaching and program professional women's. I am delighted to announce that App Meetup's customers can now benefit from the presentation and speaking training courses with our integration and partnership with DSB Leadership Group. DSB Leadership Group is committed to providing training and resources to support professionals becoming more effective communicators and increase their impact and value. And that is the reason why at Meetup and DSP Leadership Group have formed a partnership to make sure that our MSPs, which is you, can be effective and powerful speakers in the community. Whether you are hosting a major conference, a specialized training, or a year-end corporate event, finding the right keynote speaker or breakout speaker should be at the top of your priority list. Partner with Elite Speaker Services to book speakers according to your specifications and needs. Elite Speaker Services has the depth of speakers and the experience to bring you peace of mind and a successful event. Go to EliteSpeakerServices.com for all your event needs. Let us deliver the message your audience needs to hear. Let us deliver beyond your expectations. Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners. 20% off products or services on our website. Just send us an email with the subject line podcast, and we will send you that special discount code at dsbleadershipgroup.com. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast.
1: So, you know, starting with... You know, how, how does AQ help a sales organization communicate the value proposition? You know, we're probably going to get into this, but first of all, why are there six? There's six because the research identified six and, um, you know, there's more to it than that, but basically this was the, in research, you want to have an exhaustive, but parsimonious accounting, right? Exhaustive, these are all the answer types, parsimonious, it's six, it's not 20. Um, so these are the the six you need. Uh, I won't say more on that now, but we can come back to that later if you want. Um, how does an organization use this framework to communicate their value proposition? So I've done a lot of workshops on this. So first of all, we think about what is a value proposition and we can think about it in terms of AQ. If you're providing value for a client, you should be able to communicate it in terms of six answers. So, this sort of gets into your next point. How could you put this into practice sort of related, but identify your six answers individually as an organization, develop exemplars of three answers per answer mode. So for example, you know, do you have a story, you know, about how, how you sell, what is your theory? Theory is cause and effect. You know, you know, a causes B, you know, what is the theory that you use as an organization? Um, we can talk more about that. Key concepts, define them like we've talked about. Do you have procedures or actions about how your pr- uh, products work? Do you have metaphors? And all of this seems sort of like, well, that's easy or we have this. But the reality is oftentimes don't. Even something like stories, which organizations gra- gravitate towards, oftentimes the stories are not good. There's a lot of research out there in stories, but even so, oftentimes stories aren't nailed down. You know, For example, a couple of attributes about stories. They have a beginning, middle, and end. A lot of times selling organizations or anyone will tell a story and they'll start in the middle. Stories have drama, which implies reversal. Sometimes we're showing examples or case studies and we're saying they're stories, they're simply examples, um, you know, so on and so forth. And maybe give let me give you one point to sort of um, punctuate this, um, taking it outside of sales. If you told me an example of a story of Romeo and Juliet, we know what that story is, right? We don't have to say it. Now imagine if I'm in the room and I add to it and I say, it's like star-crossed lovers. That's a metaphor. So now imagine you're selling an organization. One person is telling a story about why people use you. Someone's coming in with a nice metaphor. You're triangulating the information. You're extending it. You're providing value. And to to punctuate this point, um, working with a uh, very um, sophisticated uh, sort of HR supply chain consulting firm that work with uh, global 50 organizations, they were selling things to their clients that their clients didn't understand. And um, they had some stories, but they didn't have those metaphors. So we developed a portfolio of metaphors they could use because metaphors are very compact and effective. So the bottom line, and we can talk more about this if you want, is when you have all six answers you're, you're ready for wherever the conversation is going to go. So that's a starting point, prepare ahead of time with those answers. And, and then you're going to set yourself up better for success.
0: Doc, this is David. And I love how you said you have to prepare. And I know in my time in the sales world and still in sales to some capacity, a lot of it is preparing, doing your research, knowing who you're going to talk to your audience. And when you know your audience, you're better able to position your your value proposition, or your message to win the deal, right? So let's talk about the world of virtual selling right now is where most of us have been. Pre-pandemic, we're been in this pandemic now. We're trying to come out of this pandemic. What has been some of your research, what has been revealed to you about this framework and how important it could be for what we call the impact of the virtual world versus the pre or post pandemic world
1: yeah great question um you know a, a lot have a lot of conversations with organizations around aq and sort of the timeliness of it related to the pandemic the pandemic is a crisis in so many ways right crisis of health it's also a crisis of communication um, before the pandemic we we communicate it, but whenever we have a trauma or something going on, it crystallizes the need for change in a way that we didn't see before. Before the pandemic, I think what you had was many selling organizations that were clumsy. You take someone out to dinner for two hours, you know, for high ticket end sales, and you ingratiate yourself with the person, and through that ingratiation, you develop a relationship, and then you go, you know, you can win. That's that's great, but in the the Zoom world, there are no dinners. And even after the, you know, we come back, whatever that is, we're still going to be doing more zoom and it's meaning more compact economical conversations. And what does that mean? When we're on a zoom call, body language is, is less apparent. So we can't rely on that crutch. So what is left for us is I I think there's going to be a premium placed on the ability to have conversations, which in our framework is questions and answers and have that discussion. So, you know, if we're trying to upskill our conversation, we need that in multiple ways as sales individuals. Uh, first, when we're communicating with the client, but also for things like finding out new business opportunities. We're working with a global consulting firm. Before the pandemic, their, their consultants were on the ground doing engagements, and they would hear about new projects around the water cooler. You know, Mm -hmm. after the pandemic, you don't have that anymore. So what is important is these individuals have to have better conversation, better communication skills to sort of get at what those opportunities are. So I think we have an environment where communication is heightened and you have to be better in order to win. Competition is now global. So, I mean, it's a, you know, it's a Wild West type environment and we're all trying to adjust to it. But I think the best communicators are going to win.
0: I love that. This is David again. And it's so true that you have to look at this last year and a half or so in the pandemic, you've been really exposed to those who are really, really masterful at communication and they're able to take this art. I believe speaking is an art and they're able to take this art and they're able to craft the right stories. They're able to position themselves to win opportunities. And so you see businesses that are growing. Uh, because of that. But then you also see businesses that have, uh, that have suffered as, and, and really a direct result, not just of the, let's say, supply supply chain, but also a result of these sales reps not knowing how to leverage this opportunity that's that they have. Um, I want to get into your book a little bit, Doc. This, this is going to be interesting. When we talk about your book, Answer Intelligence, Raise Your AQ, there's a chapter in there that you have entitled Coaching AQ. I love this because of my field as a coach. I'm an executive coach. You talk about how those in the field like myself can be benefited from understanding this model. For people that are used to asking questions, we're, we're, we're trying to dig deep. We're trying to, to expose the the insides of our clients, what they're fearful of, what blockers that might be there, what potential is, is hidden. We're trying to unlock all these things by asking these questions. How can somebody in the coaching industry benefit from learning your system here?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I've worked with a lot of coaches. Um, I think there's a couple of things to consider. Um, First, you know, one way to look at it is a threat, right? I should be, you know, focusing on answers, not questions. And we can, let's put that aside for the time being. I think a more neutral way of looking at this is what is your role as a coach? Your role as a coach is to help the coaches. Influence others, you know. I mean, let's 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 use it as a working definition. Um, oftentimes, I think that's a, a fair summary of what you do, particularly around engagements, around executive presence, um, or even some content area. It's about influence. So, if that's your lens, you need to provide your clients with the tools to influence others. So, AQ becomes a framework within which. Uh, your clients can influence others. So this becomes a tool like any other tool in your toolbox you can use. So for example, one of the uh, coaches uh, that's using AQ, he's in the US. He has a uh, a client in Greece. This Greece client is an executive. He suffers from executive presence or lack thereof. Coach worked with the client using AQ to develop answers and to develop this kind of thinking. And uh, one example was a meeting the client had with the CEO, it was a 15-minute meeting, and the client needed to communicate turmoil in the, in the European market, regulatory turmoil. So that was the setup. They developed a metaphor, a simple metaphor that, um, of a pinball machine, that things were you know, potentially going to go on tilt. Okay, A little bit more to it, that was basically it. He went in, delivered the metaphor and in less than 30 seconds. She's like, I get it. They spent the remaining 14 minutes talking about solutions, which by the way, in AQ terms are other AQ answers, other metaphors, actions, procedures, concepts. Not only did the CEO get it, but she then used that same metaphor of a pinball machine in a subsequent meeting with other executives. So this is an example of a communication framework that can help a client influence others. So I would say, you know, this is something to add your toolkit. Two other points of how you can use AQ as a coach. One is that we, we, as coaches, I think there is this this, um, belief that we just ask questions. I think that's true. you ask questions, but you also have to provide answers. You have to structure the conversation. Answers can become the context within which things evolve. So I think there are times when you, we do provide answers, and if, if, if coaches reflect back on how they actually engage with clients, this does occur. So I think you know, questions and answers are both important. The last way I think coaches have benefited from AQ is in uh, business development, like we've already talked about with sales. If you're going in and you're one of three coaches that might get the job, you've got to convey to yourself your value proposition, your six answers about how you're going to win. And you can start to use different aspects of AQ and um, at the risk of saying too much, uh, for example, high AQ practice four is answering with style. You identify the style of the different parties, Mm -hmm. relational, analytical or practical. One of our coaches told us that he had a meeting with the CEO and a VP of marketing for coaching and um, is with this group. For, for whatever reason. And he profiled them ahead of time and he was providing them answers that were consistent with their profiles. You know, the CEO is relational, providing stories. The marketing person was more analytical, providing the theory of, of, of you know his coaching approach. So this is really something I think that can be used in multiple facets of coaching.
0: We'll be right back after this short break. I want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Paul Jakovitz of pauljakovitz.com. For all your website design and management needs, visit pauljakovitz.com. That's paul, J-A-C-K-I-E-W-I-C-Z.com. Are you projecting the right image to your market? Are you optimizing your name recognition and presence online? Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. As a special thank you, we have an amazing offer for our listeners for a free consultation over the next two weeks. Visit our website and schedule your free 30-minute consultation. And now, let's get back to the episode. Welcome back to Twins Talk It Up podcast. This is Danny. Um, I, I think that is phenomenal, Dr. Brian. I think that, as you stated, and this is one of the things that's really missing today when it comes to business. We've gotten lazy. We don't really do the research to find out who are we speaking with? What is their personality? What is their character like? What is important to them? And then frame our questions, responses that way. If they're, in, if they're analytical, have, have come with a, 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 a technical, logical side. Um, if they're emotional, come from an emotional uh, side of, the, of it as well. And I like how you, you phrase that. It's not just uh, learning and doing research about the business. It's the individual you're speaking with. Even the answers that is provided to be able to go back to that framework, as you stated, asking more intelligent answers. I love the AQ aspect of it. Uh, I want to stick with that because I think that, I would like you to expound upon that a little bit more because I want to make sure our audience understands what you just stated earlier, that by providing the right answers, the right answers reflect and prove that you're really listening. You're connecting with them. So can you expand upon that a little bit more? Because I think our audience needs a little bit more insight because this is profound. This is like totally outside of the box thought process that, it's obvious, but they just don't. They just probably never thought about it in a business setting.
1: Yeah, it is obvious. You know, th- this is all. You know, the, the innovation hiding in plain sight. You know, we reflect on this as great communicators. We do this, and, and, and when we're when we're successful, we do it. Yeah, let me reflect on these these um, these styles. So there's two ways to use AQ. One is point a uh, question answers sort or of a point you know counterpoint. So if someone has a why question, you can provide a theory or story. So that's, that's within the context of uh, responsive uh, conversation. The second way to do this is to profile individuals in a conversation or across conversations and understand the type of answers they prefer. So we've all been in meetings with someone that loves to tell stories, loves to consume stories. That's the person that has a relational style. Stories and metaphors Ooh. relate to their experiences. Then we have the individual that's very analytical. They prefer theory and concepts, right? They might like the numbers. They want to understand the logic of something. These are code words for theory and concept. Um, you know, they might be uncomfortable. For example, you can imagine a meeting with someone talking about you know, an emo- uh, emotional intelligence, right? They're saying, what, what is that? I don't know what that is. For that person, you need to define it. You need to say, you know, emotional co- intelligence consists of three dimensions. It consists of cognitive engagement. We're thinking about the job emotional engagement, when the company does, well, I feel, feel great when it does poorly, I'm sad, physical engagement, I have the stamina to do the job. And then you go back to that person, you say, that's why we want to have emotional engagement, because it's going to improve employee performance, by the way, that's a theory. So that's how you speak to that person. Then you have people that are procedural, I mean, practical, pardon me, they prefer procedures and actions, right? We all know those people, right? Oh, that's too high level theory. I don't want to hear those stories. Tell me what I, you know, how I need to do my job. So you profile individuals, and then regardless of the questions, at a higher base rate, you provide those answers. So I think a great example of this is in the book, we have a chapter on interview AQ. So we've all been part of interviews. How do you win interviews? I coached a student of mine uh, who was going for a big four accounting internship, you know, very high, high profile, difficult to get, and taught her about AQ. And she profiled the individuals she spoke with before the meeting. And she would find out and, and guess or, or estimate this person might be relational. Or if she wasn't right, she sort of changed her approach and thinking and said, I thought they were relational, they're very practical. Then what she did was she provided if they're relational more stories throughout the, um, the interview. At the end of the day, she got the job and they told her she was you know, the, the best communicator they've ever had as an interview candidate. Frankly, mm-hmm. a lot of that was because she was a great communicator but this also indicates, you know, AQ is a skill that you can develop and you can improve upon. But this profiling can be very profound and you get, avoid the frustrations of, oh, you know, people that, that seem anxious. It's because they, they want the answers they prefer at a higher base rate. Feed them.
0: I like that. This is Danny Danny again. And Brian, I want to uh, go back to, if it's okay with you, I want to go back to the sales scenario because uh, a lot of my clients are – either trying to grow their sales practice or their IT firms trying to get more sales. And we come to a point where a lot of the prospects that we are targeting, they leave without making a decision. No decision is made to purchase your product to move forward your service or your solution. And this is where we really want our clients to try to say, How can we make sure that the prospect doesn't just leave without making a decision, but actually ensure that there's a different outcome than that? And I say this because I have a client now to Toronto, California. After they're done with the demo, I say, well, when's the next touch point? Oh, 90 days later. Uh, Oh, why 90 days later? Well, we figure if they haven't called us that they weren't interested in the product, but 90 days later, they just reach back out and they want to buy the product. So how do you you address this in your training to help individual organizations, clients, sales reps to make sure that the client, their, their prospect doesn't walk away without making a decision or no decision that's been made?
1: Yeah, a couple of things come to mind. First of all, you know, we have to be sort of a student of our craft and the craft being communication, you know, the craft also being your organization, answers you can provide. When we studied the top golf instructors in the world, they learned everything about golf. They learned everything about uh, psychology of golf, you know, between, between the head, physiology of golf. One of the golfers had 3,500 books on their bookshelf. So you have to have knowledge that you can communicate. So if you, if you have nothing to share, you know, you're not going to get a good response. So, so second, you know, put in the time. So put in the, the point there is put in the time and effort to understand your space and have answers. Related to that, really refine and develop high quality answers. Mm-hmm. You, you know, like anything, you put in the time and effort, you're going to get better. The experts that we studied, the best in the world of communicating, they not only have one story, they have multiple stories, not one metaphor, multiple metaphors. And then the art of communication, it's about bringing it together in a live conversation, doing it dynamically, effectively to influence people to move. So, you, so it's, you know, I got to have this today, not 90 days from now. Last point there's techniques you can use to really enhance your conversation. Here's one example. So many, many organizations will share a case study, which, you know, let's elevate to a story. Now, here's a stress test for that story. Can that story be transformed into all the other answer modes very easily into theory, metaphor, concept, procedure, and action? You want to do that because the conversation becomes economical. You know, wouldn't it be you know, horrible in a sense, if you open your presentation with some story to get them inspired, but that story doesn't really relate to your product. So you have to tell some other story that relates to your products. That's clumsy, you know? So it's, you know, last thing I'll say for those that are entrepreneurs or raise capital or or any salesperson, you know, the the elevator pitch, you know, just think about how much you refine your elevator pitch. The same is true for your six answers. And I'll go a little further. I think elevator pitch is great, and that might be a story, but really, what separates you allows you to win is not elevator pitch, but your ability to provide six answers in response to any question in the context of sort of this elevator pitch discussion. When you're on the elevator, someone says, "How's your product work?" Can you can you nail it? You know, why should I invest in you? Can you nail it? So I think it's it's um, you know, AQ simple. The last thing I'll say, it's simple, but like sports. You know, you got to practice, you got to put in the reps, you have to have the the desire. And I think, you know, depending on the organization you're working with, they may not have that appet- appetite to have answers at that level. And they're going to have continued responses of being, you know, next meeting 90 days out.
0: <laughs> Doc, this is David, and um, I'm loving where this is going in terms of our conversation. And you touched on something I want to really address if I can. But before you do that, I love that you said, I love when you said elevator pitches. You have to adjust them. And when I do workshops around elevator pitches, I make it very, very clear. You have to know your audience. If you give the same elevator pitch, you literally can go from being the hero to the zero. You could go from hitting everything that they need to hear in that 30-second elevator ride or you could put them in a position where they don't want to hear anything about you because they've already made an assumption based on what you said. Yeah. And so when you look at these sales professionals, these leaders that you're consulting, you, you mentioned something earlier about the six answers. In your book, and I believe you teach on the five or the five high AQ practices that every professional should know, you mentioned earlier the six answers. You talk about how to answer twice providing compliments for those of us with incredible egos. And I'm, I'm sure that's not just for those with egos, but answering with style. And then also for these professionals to understand that they can answer in context. And these convey to the prospect or to the listener that you really are listening, that you really are positioned to answer that's going to help them to move from point A to point B, and rather than just spitting out your next uh, point in your, your, your script or so, so to speak. Right.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh- yeah. You know, I'll give you one specific example on context. And if you like, I could, you know, would you like me to go through the, some of those five high IQ practices? You know, let, let's, uh, um, let's start with one and, and, and move from there. High IQ practice one we've been talking about is provide six answers. What this means is have six answers that you've prepared six, but have the one answer you can provide to a question, right? So that, you know, if there's one, you know, a friend of AQ, Mike Sankey, he's the uh, recently retired McDonald's USA CFO. He shared with me that he thought 50% of the value of AQ is just knowing there's six answers. So that's important. So those that are listening and saying, wow, this is interesting. I want to get into it. You know, that's a pretty, you know, easy thing to start with. That's high AQ practice one. And then high AQ, high AQ practices two through five sort of, you know, take you from, you know, the, the fifth floor all the way up to the top of the building. And high um, Haiku practice two is answer twice. So there's question, there's answers that appeal to the logical side of the brain, theory, concept and procedure, and then the creative side of the brain story, metaphor and action, sort of like left brain, right brain metaphorically. So for important questions, you want to answer twice. So for example, if you know, I use AQ. So if you ask me, what is AQ, I could, you know, define it as a concept. It's a It's an approach to provide answers to influence others, and there's six types of answers. Boom. Then I could provide metaphors, and I have a lot of metaphors. For example, related to high IQ practice one, AQ is a target. If you don't have six answers to aim at, you're you're significantly decreasing your likelihood of hitting the target. If you have no target, you're probably going to miss. So let's argue and say, or let's not argue, let me assert that in the sales profession, we have not had our eye on the answer target. So how are we expecting to provide high-quality answers when we're not conceptualizing what these might be? So that's a metaphor. And there's other metaphors I could use. That's high-AQ practice two. High-AQ practice three is provide complements. So this is the idea that on this circular framework, answers are adjacent to each other and they complement each other and they often move the conversation forward. So for example, um, we we can talk about uh, concepts like Uh, mentoring, and I could define it and I can say it's providing career support, social support, and role modeling. And uh, you might say, well, social support after more conversation, you know, how does that work? And I might talk about a procedure, open door policy, where anyone can come in and we talk about emotional things. So I'm extending the compliment by the conversation with complimentary answers going for from an answer, a concept answer of mentoring to a procedure of how to do mentoring. So that's a technique. High IQ practice four is answer with style. We've already talked about that. There's three different styles. Know your own style, which we didn't mention. Know the style of others and uh, use that accordingly. And then high IQ practice five is answering in context. All six of the answers are going to change potentially, but must reflect the local context. Case in point. You know, I don't always uh, do, uh, I'm not, I always say I'm a, a coach for AQ, not a, not a player, but I, you know, I try to communicate well. I was doing a workshop and I, I went in and we were supposed to be talking about employee engagement and I started going into my stuff, right? And it was really apparent about two minutes in that everyone was like, they were disappointed. We we're talking about almost horrified. They were talking about engagement. And I said, what's going on? And they said, "Wow, we just did a you know whole employee engagement week, and oh, it was horrible. We hated it." So I looked at the context, and I immediately said, "What other problem? What else do we want to discuss?" And we we pivoted to something completely different. You know that that's the kind of understanding of context you want to have. Like and I think this goes to what you're talking about, Danny. Like going on autopilot, you know, some kind of scripts or something. You know, you mm-hmm. could just imagine. Not that I'm a you know great listener or communicator, but we've all seen these sales presentations where the client says we have no need for this or no need for that feature and the sales rep says well let me tell you about that feature you know parenthetically that you said you hated it didn't need let me just tell you five minutes about that feature right that's context right and that that you know is obviously important
0: this, that that's quite hilarious uh, this is danny by the way i love how you say that because so many times we get into this process that we have to just go through our script and that, we, the client will, be, will tell you, I don't want this. <laughs> and we're not really listening. We just want to get straight to the scripts. So I, I think that's hilarious. I, I want to tell our audience today that uh, this is about effective, being effective. It's about being effective with your communication. That is what this is about. This is an art. It's a skill. And just like the professional golfers who at the 99th percentile of their profession, you have to practice. You have to practice. And the best way to practice right now is to go pick up Brian's book, Answer Intelligence, Raise Your AQ. Dr. Brian Kopkowski, I want to thank you for joining both David and I on our Twins Talking Up podcast. We're so grateful to have you on board. We're so just impressed with the research you put together, just the ability to help people understand. Like, listen. This is something that's going to really help you in your career. This is something that's going to really help you professionally, personally. And this is something that not just sales reps, but everybody in corporate America can utilize. You, you gave a great example of the CEO who took it right back to the boardroom with, with her executive team as well. So remember, there's six answer types, theory, story, metaphor, concept, procedure, and my favorite, action. So once again, Dr. Brian, we really appreciate you joining us. Today on the Twins Talk It Up podcast, grateful to have you on board and make sure audience, go get the book. You will appreciate it.
1: Danny and, and David, I just want to say thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. So I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Thank you for listening to the Twins Talk It Up podcast. Please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at DSP Leadership and visit us online at dsbleadershipgroup.com to learn more about our workshops and trainings. We will see you on the next episode of the Twins Talk It Up podcast.